Welcome to Planet Sleep. I'm your host, Josh, and tonight we're going to be venturing into one of the most beautiful places in the world, Rocky Mountain National Park. Before we head out on our moonlit hike, I want you to find somewhere comfortable to relax. Maybe find somewhere to sit down, or even better, lie down. Now close your eyes, take a deep breath in through the mouth, and then out through the nose. Do that several times, because it's important to get our mind, body, and soul right before we head out. Now that you're ready to go, I wanted to tell you that this episode of Planet Sleep is brought to you by Higher Love Wellness, my CBD and wellness brand. All the CBD products are made right here in Colorado with Colorado-grown hemp. We sell a wide variety of different flavors and different ways to consume CBD, including oils, gummies, dabs, and topicals. This episode is also sponsored by Policy Genius and BetterHelp. With that out of the way, grab your coat, your hiking stick, and your hiking boots, and let's head off into the Rocky Mountain National Park. In the vast clearing of a forest, you hike your way through tall beds of grass covered in drips of morning dew. A lush forest of evergreens surrounds you in a wall of pine needles and sap-covered trees. The fog slowly fades as the morning sun arches over the trees. Their shadows shrink towards their trunks. A warm blanket creeps over the tall grass, and the dew evaporates into the sky, joining the white clouds overhead. A cool breeze pushes its way from the south, and over the uneven tree line, white capped mountains jut into the deep blue sky. Far yet crisp and clear, as the ancient ridges fold into themselves, and pockets of snow sink into the cold beds of dark granite. A division of land, or a familiar meeting place, where the Great Divide scores its path through the west. The continental divide of the Americas joins mountains and rivers to form a massive demarcation line, beginning at Cape Prince of Wales, Alaska, through the Rockies of Colorado, and ending at the southern tip of the Andes in South America. This divide separates the rivers that run to the Pacific and the Atlantic, the Arctic, and the Gulf of Mexico. The Rocky Mountain National Park, spanning 415 square miles, makes up a sliver of this divide. Its jutting mountains, lush forests, and roaming clusters of elk make this sliver of the Americas unforgettable. As you stare at the granite peaks beyond, they look small from a distance. Conceivable, accessible, and believable from here. The ethereal formations of clouds dwarf the rigid mountains, some 12,000 feet high, 
Each cloud marks a dark patch of shadow below. And from here, in the wide berth of grass, in the lowlands of a budding spring, the mountains form a mural, seemingly docile until you make your way towards them. You catch a ride towards the National Park. Through the town of Estes Park, a family of elk seeped from the haven of Rockies and roams the edge of town. They chew through the nearby garden of a bed and breakfast as they reclaim the land. One lifts its head from the shrubbery and looks at you with its deep black eyes. A plume of vapor escapes its nostrils and dissipates in the chilly evening air. The range ahead of you, once easily captured within a picture frame, grows and grows. It stretches beyond the edge of your naked eye, and the mountains that were easily understood from afar transform into a series of incomprehensible monoliths the closer you get. Even the tallest tree barely itches the footholds of the granite giants. With an elevation so high, over a fourth of the national park rests above the tree line. And the land you're about to enter seems closer to the realm of clouds than the earth below your feet. As spring renews the mountainside, the winter of northern Colorado washes away. Creeks carry the melted snow down into the knolls, while the elevated plants breathe the warming air. Animals break their slumbering as they wade out into the fields, ending a deep winter of hibernation and beginning their days of sunshine ahead. The seasons change within the blink of an eye, and within another blink, they will soon change again. Springtime lasts only two weeks in the Colorado Rockies, a fleeting two weeks when the bones of elk thaw and lowland animals eat from the green valleys. And the growing season for vegetation lasts only 40 days. In the highest reaches, the vegetation has fortified itself. The altitude and freezing winters demand a strong, enduring attitude in the face of the harshest months. Their time to recover lasts only a fraction of their dormancy, and beneath their roots a shifting plate moves the earth. In a time before humans climbed the mountains of North America, a massive plain covered by pockets of shallow ocean sprawled. Before the sea to shining sea held a complex range of earth between them, North America was unidentifiable to the modern eye. Until the uplift between two massive continental plates, northern Colorado was as flat as the Great Plains of Michigan. But as these tectonic plates collided, an enormous surge of energy forced these pillars of granite into the sky. And although the mountains before you look stagnant and secure, many of its peaks continue to rise year after year. As long as the earth remains in orbit and its core continues to release heat, these tectonic plates will constantly shift. As they continue to surge ahead of you, it's hard to believe that Rocky Mountain National Park once could have been the sandy inland sea national park of Colorado in a different time. Hundreds of millions of years ago, when fish swam the shallow rivers and dinosaurs roamed the flat plains of the earth, these ancient creatures perished and many of their remains fell to the bottom of riverbeds. Over centuries, their bodies decayed 
and abandon their bones to scatter the sandy waterways. Sediment from the surrounding lands washed over the bones and trapped them within rock until they fossilized over time. Eventually, these riverbeds dry, and the movement of plates and sediment bury these fossils deep underground. Not until the formation of the Rockies did they ever dream of seeing the light of day once more. The age-old riverbeds deep below the surface thrust upwards at an angle as tectonic plates collided. The layers where the fossils had been buried snapped and surged upwards. And millions of years later, we would discover these fossils jetting out from exposed rock layers. Some of the oldest fossils found in the Colorado Rockies are nearly half a billion years old. Of life forms that time had forgotten, the last ditch effort of tectonic movement compelled us to remember them. And alongside the birth of the Rockies lies the ancestral graveyards of Earth's past. Even though staring at the majesty of the snow-capped monoliths, you might think of these mountains as solid and steadfast, as they'll outlive you for thousands, possibly millions of years. They are impermanent. Their seemingly indestructible foundations are as transient as everything else around you. The trees, the elk, the sun in the sky. Yet some stay here on this planet a bit longer than others. We might have an early checkout at the Hotel of Existence, but the Rockies get to sleep in. You walk towards a line of evergreens. The tips of their pines intertwine, and you push through to get a view of the mountaintops. As you look at the highest peak, dreaming of pure white knee-high snow crunching beneath a gentle step, you wonder what it's like up there. How does the world look from nature's tower? How small are the trees? Do the hundreds of elk in the valley look like a colony of ants? You pass through another interlocked grasp of pine trees, and in the tall grass before you sits a bright red helicopter. Its blades beam in the setting sun, and its tail shoots out from the backside like a dragonfly. A small sign on the windshield says, get inside. You step closer and see the keys are in the ignition and the helmet with a tinted visor sits in the pilot seat. You think back at all the times you practiced piloting a helicopter and think to yourself, how hard could it be? So you crawl into the cockpit, strap yourself in and fire up the engine. The blades turn slow at first, but then spin so fast they become a blur. The tall grass compresses under the downward force and soon, you are airborne. The helicopter lifts you from the ground. You're now weightless, like the flock of birds you scared away with the ignition. You fly above the tops of evergreens and turn your head to look at all the mountains surrounding you. Out in the valley, a gang of elk trots away from the sound of your helicopter. Dozens of them move together as one unit. The faster they trot, the harder they breathe, and their breath escapes them in white puffs of water vapor that quickly dissipate in the cold, arid breeze of the Rocky Mountains. Their brown heads bobble as they run, and their beige coats shine under the setting sun. Some are old, and some are young. Some wear magnificent crowns of branching horns, while others 
are crownless. The first elk to reach the Americas traveled from Asia, roughly 120,000 years ago. A passageway opened between continents when glacial ice trapped the Bering Strait between Russia and Alaska. From there, they spread all across North America, where many ended up in the flourishing valleys of the Rocky Mountains around 9,000 years ago. In their prime, possibly 10 million elk had roamed North America before European travelers found the continent in 1492. They have been rigorously hunted for food, clothing, and tools. And by the mid-1800s, men and women flocked under the lure of the Colorado Gold Rush. And even when many failed at finding a pittance of gold, they noticed the abundance of elk fueled the fire of their enterprise. Luckily, the elk survived the gluttony, and although their numbers dwindled since then, when they were almost entirely depleted in the early 20th century, they returned in full force. Tens of thousands continue to roam the national park today, and an estimated 280,000 elk live in the state of Colorado, more than anywhere else in North America. So no, seeing a gang of elk in the Colorado Rockies is definitely not a rare sighting. It's not even a rare sighting in Estes Park, the town just outside of Rocky Mountain National Park. The big beasts casually chew the grass and forbs around town and come and go as they please. If anything, locals try to keep their numbers at bay since the natural haven of the Rockies allows the elk immunity from the everyday struggles of survival. Here within the peaking walls of granite, they flourish. Their lack of predators and their unbridled ability to reproduce has formed a natural dreamland for the thousands of elk. Your helicopter soars over the green valley below. The elk move in unison and their hooves leave small pockets of trampled earth behind. A brown river of fur flows between the evergreens that line the base of the mountains. The female elk and their young make up most of the congregation. The bulls tend to be more solitary throughout their life. After they mate, they enjoy being left alone for a bit, while they crack a few beers and watch the game in peace. The males, called bulls, are some of the largest deer in North America. They grow twice the size of white-tailed deer and can weigh up to 700 pounds. The females called cows are three-fourths the size of their counterparts. Aside from the bull's massive size, their iconic horns are equally as impressive. Each year they shed their old horns and grow new ones up to five feet long. They sprout from their heads, small and fuzzy from the blood vessels that help the horns grow. And by the time they are full size, the bulls will have rubbed the soft fuzz from their surface, just in time for the mating season. And this transforms their heads into weapons to be used against other bulls of the gang and trophies to show off to the ladies. The bulls give off a beautiful call into the wilderness to attract their mates as well as their competition. Their calls are a lure for the ladies and a challenge for their mates. They scrape the barks from the trees to mark their territory. After their showboating battles and flaunting of their horns, a single bull can mate with up to 50 cows if successful. And after spreading their seed willy-nilly, they wander off into the forest, forcing the cows to raise their young alone. 
As far as we know, there is no governing body among elk to enforce paying child support. But luckily, the cows do their best, raising healthy young within the verdant valleys between the Rockies. They give birth to their calves in the short window of spring or early summer. When the time comes to give birth, the elk practice their lamaze breathing and they find a secluded spot away from the herd. As the few but vicious predators of the Rocky Mountains can easily see the herd in significant numbers, the cow knows that seclusion will be the safest place to give birth and tend to her young. After the cow gives birth to its calf, its young is still not ready for the cold world of the Rocky Mountains. Their little legs wobble as they try to stand, and the world around them is too big and confusing to understand. So the mother stays with her calf for a week in seclusion. She brings food to her young until they are ready to fend for themselves. And after their week of weaning, they return to the herd. The herd below turns into specks of brown dots as you thrust the helicopter higher into the frigid Colorado sky. You scale the solid walls of dark rock and make your way towards the top. The shadowy rocks turn to snowy white sheets and your pupils shrink as the snow reflects the setting sun. You flip down your visor to shield your eyes. The trees and vegetation fade away, and the verdant valley is a small pond of life below. You breathe through the mask attached to your helmet as the oxygen thins out the higher you reach. The hair on your skin stands on its end, and you wish you had the burly coat of an elk to warm you. Before we continue with this beautiful journey into Rocky Mountain National Park, and take a moment to thank our sponsors. Planet Sleep is sponsored by BetterHelp. Is there something interfering with your happiness or is preventing you from achieving your goals? BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. Best of all, you can start communicating in under 48 hours. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is professional therapy done securely online. There's a broad range of expertise available which may not be locally available in many areas. The service is also available for clients worldwide. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your therapist. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as with traditional therapy. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they make it easy and free to change therapists if needed. It's more affordable than traditional offline therapy, and financial aid is available. Your mental health is something you shouldn't put on the back burner. I know for me, one of the biggest struggles has always been trying to find the time to go and get therapy, and also find a local therapist that isn't scheduled for months out. But with better help, I can now get the therapy that I need, when I need it, right from the comfort of my own home. So visit betterhelp.com slash planetsleep. That's better, H-E-L-P, and join the over 2 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they are recruiting additional therapists in all 50 states. So right now, get the special offer for all Planet Sleep listeners and get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com dot com slash planet sleep 
This episode is also brought to you by Policy Genius. It's never a bad time to find ways to bundle your home and auto insurance and save on coverage with Policy Genius. Policy Genius makes it easy to compare home and auto insurance in one place. They can help you find home and auto coverage similar to what you have now, but at a lower price. They've saved customers an average of $1,250 per year over what they were paying for home and auto insurance. They've saved new customers an average of $435 per year on auto insurance. And they've saved new customers an average of $350 per year on home insurance. Policy Genius's team will handle the paperwork to set up your new policy or switch over your current one. Getting started is easy. First, head to policygenius.com and answer a few quick questions about yourself and your property. And then Policy Genius takes it from there. They'll compare rates from America's top insurers from Progressive to Allstate to find your lowest quotes. The Policy Genius team can look for ways to save you more, including bundling your home and auto policies. If they find a better rate than what you're paying now, they'll switch you over for free. Their top-notch services are in Policy Genius thousands of five-star reviews across Trustpilot and Google. So see how you could save more on your auto and home insurance and head to policygenius.com to get started right now. So make sure you head over to policygenius.com to get started right now. Because when it comes to insurance, it's nice to get it right. That's the Policy Genius way. The air turns cold and soon frigid. The higher you rise, the harsher the habitat. Trees disappear, and the foliage makes way for the barren rock. Out of the 77 peaks of the park, you head towards the tallest one you can see. You tilt the helicopter towards the highest peak, and you soar through the sky, higher and higher until you reach the harrowing peak of a colossal mountain, Long's Peak, the highest point in the Colorado Rockies standing at 14,258 feet tall. Formidable and cruel, this peak stands high above the others. A frozen pool of ice rests in a small basin near the top, and layers of snow cloud the edges. Remnants of frost hide in the cracks and ridges that run along the steep edges of rock, and you see a small group of adventurers climbing the mountainside. The first recorded climb of this peak dates back to 1914, Archival and archaeological evidence shows that the indigenous Ute and Arapaho were the first mountaineers on the Colorado Rockies. Within the mist and legend of the mountains, their first histories were passed through tales of the early pioneers. In 1914, an early explorer named Oliver Toll ran into the son of an Arapaho elder. Old man Gunn Griswold was his father, and he too had taken the name Gunn Griswold. In a brief tale, he relayed the story of his old connection to the Great Long's Peak. From the Wind River Reservation, the young Arapaho boy climbed the long ascent to the Long's Peak and found his way into a small stone shelter near the top. The barren mountaintop was his father's old hunting ground, and when the boy reached the designated spot, he would place an old coyote carcass out on the peak as bait for eagles that flew by. When the iconic bird would swoop down to feast, the boy rushed from his shelter to grab the eagle by its feet. For in the game of hunting, one eagle is worth more than a typical coyote. Although explorers never found evidence of Gun Griswold's stone shelter, as you look at the top of the mountain, any of the scattered rocks and overhanging nodules could be made into a hunting shelter. After the indigenous excursions, 
the Spanish, French, and American explorers made their way to the highest peaks of the Rockies. Throughout the 1700s and 1800s, many colonists and explorers searched for new means of travel in search of the first trade routes across the New World. Many also sought the prospect of gold, the future of currency at the time. If Bitcoin and Dogecoin could be found within the Rockies today, we would undoubtedly have another gold rush towards the mountains. Memes aplenty. Nonetheless, the French fur traders of decades past used the Colorado Rockies as an easily identifiable landmark of the tall granite peaks as they wandered the territory for desirable pelts and convenient pathways. As is tradition, many of these colonists left their marks behind by having the highest peaks named after them. And 53 of the 14ers, the lingo given to the mountain peaks with an elevation above 14,000 feet in the U.S., reside in the beautiful state of Colorado, having more 14ers than any other state. Among them, Long's Peak is the deadliest and most dangerous mountain in all of Colorado. It's a 14.5 mile climb, and its edges are often sheer cliffs with huge drops below. And if falling isn't what takes you out, exhaustion, hypothermia, and cardiac arrest sure will. Luckily, you're safe in this fine helicopter, and you seem to be operating it like a professional. You pass over the highest peak and turn around. The sun casts its mighty glow on the elevated crests of the mountain range. The forest and meadows below have shrunken into small cavities of green, while the dark rock turns a gentle hue of orange beneath the sun. Somewhere between the great expanse, there must be mountain lions hidden in the shadows. Although you can't see them, you have a feeling that they can see you, especially in your loud bright red helicopter. Their piercing eyes hide somewhere in the mountains, and perhaps it's a blessing you can't stare back at them. Also known as panthers, pumas, or cougars, the mountain lion's name has been used for team mascots, shoe brands, and attractive older women. And the only thing they all have in common is that you can find many in North America. They are native to the continent and hold the throne as the largest predator in the Rocky Mountain National Park. Males can reach up to 200 pounds in weight, and eight feet in length. They wear a fur of spotted beige with an off-white throat and underbelly. They sport dark fur on the backs of their ears, near their whiskers and in between their paws, where large claws protrude and retract when pouncing on their prey. In a blitz of energy, a mountain lion can leap as high as 18 feet in the air and lunge 40 feet vertically in just one jump. So you make sure you hover your helicopter at least 18 feet above any given land, just to be sure you're out of reach from a potentially horrific end. You lower your elevation down the mountainside while keeping your distance. You scan the steep cliffs but see no trace of a mountain lion. They are quiet hunters, solitary and efficient within their surroundings. You might see 10,000 elk in the Rocky Mountain National Park and never once see a mountain lion. It's within their nature to not be seen, and they are best left to the quiet shadows of the mountains. Mountain lions are generally solitary animals, and they migrate alongside gangs of elk. Although they keep a great distance between them, their territories range from around 100 square miles 
but can expand up to 500 square miles to encompass their prey. But within the national park, their feeding pool is almost infinite. Where there are deer, there are mountain lions. Even beyond the Rockies, their survival is somewhat effortless since they can survive in nearly any environment as long as they have shelter and prey are nearby. As you look for any traces of a mountain lion, you realize the altitude's lack of oxygen may have impaired your memory. How silly you think that you would possibly see a mountain lion in the light of day. Not only is their territory almost the entire size of the national park, you remember that they often hunt at night. Seeing a mountain lion wandering the mountainside during the day is as common as seeing a shooting star through a telescope. Cougars are stealthy predators. They spend their days stalking their prey within the shadows of the mountains and forests until their potential meals fall asleep. And within one leap, hopefully within 30 feet, they pounce their prey from behind and deliver a lethal bite to the spinal cord. Although they can typically outrun their target, they tend to take the more strategic approach and play the game of stealth. Once they kill their prey, they can drag their meal up to a thousand feet to hide the body in the deep thicket of the Rockies, so that they can continue to feed for several more days. Their ideal meal is an elk, the fattest and juiciest of the prospects in the Colorado Rockies. But if they have to, they will prey on smaller animals and even insects if desperation takes hold. Reinforcing their seclusion, the male's territories never overlap unless a desperate warrior is willing to draw blood. But female boarders tend to cross into male territories with the interest of mating. They mark their artificial territories by building mounds scented with their urine, and they also scratch the bark from trees, much like the elk do with their horns. The difference is that the elk battles rarely end in death while the mountain lions will do anything to lay claim to their territory. But there is one significant similarity between the elk and the lions, however different they might seem. Despite one being pre and one being predator, both the males from the elk gangs and the solitary lions leave the parenting up to the females. But where the young elk is only dependent on their mother for the first week or so, the young mountain lion cubs depend on their mother for six weeks until they are ready to tag alongside their mother to hunt. By the time they are six months old, they become the ideal hunters their mothers raised them to be. And by the time they are two years old, they are entirely independent. Most attacks on people are by young mountain lions who are forced to hunt on their own. And in general, the fleshy hide of a human is not nearly as desired as an elk. So as you float around the Rocky Mountains, just remember that you're not the star of the show. You're not even the primary meal of the star. You're merely a poor-tasting, state-of-the-art observer floating in the sanctuary of a helicopter. But overall, you have brains. And with these brains, you're able to observe and document nature's gift of beauty to the world. And between this world of beauty, between the twists and turns of each mountain, man has carved his path. Far north of Long's Peak, you see the paved asphalt of a hidden byway, where historical men and women carved their own path between the mountains, where fur traders marked the mountains for the return home. The Arapaho had long since bushwhacked their trail between the Rockies. They had called the byway, where the children walked, because its journey was so steep that children could not be carried through. 
and after them the Ute tribe made their way across a similar path called the Forest Canyon Pass. They had marked the journey with stone cairns that the following explorers would find. And during the 1800s, the thirsty miners constructed their own wagon roads into the range. Today, what became of these pathways is the Trail Ridge Road. It is the highest paved road in Colorado and the highest paved road to cross the Continental Divide, exceeding 12,000 feet in elevation. It stands as the only passageway for vehicles through this area of the Rockies. The snow becomes so treacherous during the winter that the road is closed for the season, but it opens back up in late spring or early summer. You decide to follow this road from above, and you place your helicopter path just above its undulating asphalt. Crisp and clean, its pathway reflects the sun as it crawls between the surrounding mountains. From west to east, you follow its trail, cutting through endless terrain. You fly untouched by the world around you, yet an intricate part of it. Weightless in the sky, you think you're the only one, yet flight is a power long used before man. A flock of birds snickers at how loud you fly through the sky. They pass you quicker and quieter. It is a small bird, one you could hold in your hand. You see it only for a moment before it disappears into a cluster of rocks. It carries a gray plume of feathers, bearing jet black wings with a spot of white on its tips. It's named Clark's Nutcracker, presumably after the guy who recorded its existence, similar to the mountains surrounding you. The bird leaps from a rock and dives into a pine tree. These quick birds are known to live anywhere from 3,000 to 12,000 feet, where most animals wouldn't dare adventure. The birds of the Rockies have no fear. Where most can't even remember where they last slept, this nutcracker has an extraordinary memory. They can remember where they have stored up to 33,000 seeds in the fall and eat many of them during the harsh winters. This incredible memorization allows these birds to live where almost no other species can. And better yet, the crumbling tourists of the Rockies don't even scare them. They'll even fly up to adventurers and beg for food. These tactics have allowed the bird success, even in the highest altitudes. As you fly, a white flash pangs against the inside of your cabin, and a little white birdie stumbles into your helicopter. You're unsure if it came to beg for food or if it flew in here by accident, but the incessant chirping and crying makes you think the bird might have flown in here by accident. You try to shoo it away, but it's as stubborn as ever and it's not going anywhere. Quickly, you aim for the green clearing of a valley below, and you drop the throttle of the helicopter engine. You glide back down to earth as the mountains grow around you. The frigid air turns a bit warmer and easier to breathe. Small polyps of bright flowers appear in the deep green canvas below, and the gang of elk which once roamed the valley have now disappeared. For now, at least. Gently, you sit the helicopter down in the clearing where you found it, and the bird cocks its head and gives you a strange look before it bolts off into the trees. You then turn the helicopter engine off, remove your helmet, and unclasp your seatbelt. As much as you explored the Rocky Mountain National Park, you have the feeling that you could see much more. 
yet you don't want to be greedy with the free ride into the sky. Things come and go, and they shouldn't be squandered. So you take the sign that reads, get in, and you place it back onto the helicopter's windshield. You leave the keys in the ignition and the helmet in the front seat. And as you place your two feet back onto the ground, you hope the next wandering vagrant happens upon the same clearing as you. And the gift of an unbridled journey through the Rocky Mountain National Park will fall upon an unsuspecting soul. Well, that concludes our journey for Planet Sleep for tonight. I hope you enjoyed our helicopter ride into one of the most beautiful national parks in North America. If you ever get the opportunity to visit Colorado or any of the other states that the Rocky Mountains run through, I highly recommend it. The pure beauty and abundance of nature in this place is unlike anything you've ever seen. The mountains are truly a sight to behold. So the next time you're thinking about where to travel, consider coming to Colorado for the Rocky Mountain National Park. I hope you found this episode of Planet Sleep peaceful and relaxing. If you did, I'd appreciate it if you subscribe on Apple Podcasts and YouTube. But that concludes our journey for today. And I hope you have a restful night of sleep. And I'll see you next time on the journey to Planet Sleep. Sleep easy, my friends. <laughs>